morning. I praise him this morning. Amen, amen, amen. So glad you're here in the house of the Lord today. Genesis chapter 12, if you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me. If not, it will be on the screen. Genesis chapter 12. And I'm going to begin with verse number 1, reading down through verse number 8. Genesis chapter 12, and I will read verses 1 through verse 8. But before I do, why don't you just join with me this morning and let's sing this old hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see Come on, lift your voice with me. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands have. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. One more time now. Great is thy faithfulness. With an uplifted hand, sing to the Lord. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see, and all I have needed, thy hands have provided. praise today you're an awesome God 
an awesome God. The Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out from thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Everybody say, be a blessing. That's a good thing to be. If you're going to be anything, be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abraham took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land into the place of Sychem, into the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abraham, of course, was known as the father of the faithful. And Brother Danny asked me yesterday, he said, well, what original thought are you going to bring to us tomorrow? And then he kind of chuckled. He said, how many ways can you preach a Father's Day message? And I said, that's very true. But I hope today that I could say something that will spark a thought that will make a difference in your life. But this morning, by the help of the Lord, I'm going to, to speak on a faithful father, on a faithful father. Lord, help us today to speak what you've laid upon our heart. God, you and only you know, Lord, the heart of every man in this room. And Lord, I pray today not only just for the men in the room, but God, I pray for every person in the room today that your power and your presence Lord, would speak, that your word would speak to every heart. Lord, let no stone left unturned this morning. Lord, speak into every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, God bless you this morning. Why don't you speak to two or three people around you? Greet them today. If there's a guest, welcome them. We're so glad you're here today at CLC on Father's Day. I heard a little story, I've probably shared it with you before, but a man was feeling terrible and he went to the doctor 
And the doctor checked him out, and the doctor said, unless you make some changes in your lifestyle and some drastic changes are made, you're not, you don't have long to live. And he said, you're under way too much stress. You're not eating right. And um, life really needs to change. And so the man said, well, sir, you, you just don't understand uh, my life that I live. And he said, well, your life as you live is going to have to change. He said, go home and tell your wife that she's to start cooking some better meals than what she's been cooking. And uh, to take the load off of you by hiring a handyman to take care of all the honey-do list and relieve the stress that is in your life and give you an opportunity to sit back and relax. Tell her to follow the budget a little more clearly than what she has been following and tell her she needs to really stick with it. And if she'll do all of this, you should recover completely. Otherwise, you're going to be dead in a month. And the man said, Pastor, uh, Doctor, you don't understand. Um, I, my wife's out in, she's, she's out in the lobby. Um, maybe you could call her back and you could tell her because she won't believe me if I tell her. And so the doctor called the wife back and sent the man to the lobby, and the doctor talked to uh, the wife. And um, the wife came out from the back, and she was in a hurry. Obviously, she was a bit upset, and she rushed out the door and into the parking lot. And the man, um, not feeling well, made his way into the parking lot. And he, he said, uh, honey, what, what did the doctor say? And she turned around and burst into tears and began to cry. And she said, it doesn't look good for you. The doctor said, you're going to die within the next 30 days. <laughs> that has nothing to do with Father's Day, but it was funny. I'm glad that there is a Father's Day and a day that we can all celebrate together. I uh, enjoy being able to uh, spend time with the men of CLC. And um, today as I speak to Father's Day, uh, in, in ways, let me, just, let me just preface this before I get too far along. Whether you are a biological father, an adoptive father, or whether you have just taken somebody under your wing and raised them as a fatherly role, let me tell you, there is a very, very special blessing in store for you. And uh, as I speak today and I speak to the fathers today, I, I don't want to leave anyone out this morning as I speak. And please know that when I say Happy Father's Day, uh, if, as I look over my life, I was very, very blessed uh, with, um, with a really great father, a great role model, a godly example, a praying man, a man of incredible faith. And uh, when I, if I summarize my dad's life and somebody said, find one attribute that you have to recognize in your father that was stand out, it was that he was an incredible man of faith. Uh, my dad believed and trusted God for anything. And it seemed that God just saw that sincere faith and would come through. And his life was riddled with miracle after miracle after miracle. In his life, as I look over uh, men that have had an impact in my life, and regarding our late bishop, if I was to summarize his life and was to say Brother Price's life perhaps would 
would have been summarized if I was to choose one, one attribute of his life and say that this is the thing that probably stuck out the most to me was that he was a faithful man and he taught everybody around him to be faithful and to be steadfast, unmovable. And there, there's, there's certain things. I, I look over my life and there were men who were not related to me at all. And I could call their name this morning, and, and you would not know many of them, uh, but uh, or maybe any of them. But as I would go through uh, the list of men that have made incredible impacts in my life as a young boy, as a teenager, uh, even as a young adult, I could speak of so many that influenced me uh, in Actually, although I had a great, have a great father uh, and had a great father role in, at that time in my life, these men played fatherly roles in my life in a very unique and incredible way. And it was very, very powerful in my life. Don't ever, ever look at your life if you, um, if you feel like, well, I, I, I'm not sure that I influence many. Pay attention to the people that you have around you. You have the potential to influence them in so many ways. I want to talk a little bit today about a faithful, a faithful father. Dr. James Dobson in his book, Dare to Discipline, says that good fathers are made, that they're not born. And perhaps that's true. My three boys are here this morning, and as I sat on the front row, I thought today perhaps the greatest gift that my three boys could ever give me is that they're here this morning in the house of the Lord without too much prodding and pushing to get out of bed to get here this morning. And I thank God that, that they have honored me today by choosing to be in the house of the Lord and choosing to serve God. Uh, in Dr. Dobson's book, he says good fathers are made. Uh, they're not born. And I started thinking about this today, and I, I realized, and, and, and uh, Gentry, of course, was the, the young guy that... Uh, that made me a father, and uh, Spencer and Dylan, they're, they're the ones that made me insane, and, and maybe it was in that order, I'm not sure, but uh, um, I start thinking about uh, mistakes that I have made as a father. Any fathers in here feel that way? Um, I, I've made so many mistakes as a father. I look back, don't amen me too much, Gentry. Um, I made so many mistakes as a father, uh, and I, I, I look back, I'm sure I made mistakes I didn't even know was a mistake, because I didn't intend for it to be a mistake, but uh, the books you read seem to always come short. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, you, you, you have godly men as examples in your life, but I, I look back over my, over my uh, 22 years of, of being a father and and I, I see points, and, and I'm thankful today that my boys have had patience with me as a father because I haven't always gotten it right. 
And I haven't always made the right decision every time. I, it wasn't intentional. You know what I'm talking about, guys. It wasn't intentional, but we're, we're imperfect. All of us are imperfect. And, and mistakes, of course, uh, often can be costly. I just thank God that it didn't drive my boys away or that my mistakes in parenting uh, didn't cost them their soul. And it didn't cause, cause them to want to wander away from God. Uh, Dr. Dobson points out three specific things that, uh, about fathers that fathers need to keep in mind. And I've looked over it and broke it down and really come out with four or five different things I think that may be incredibly important. But children oftentimes follow the footsteps of their father. It's just, it's just the way life. Train up a child in the way they should go. Normally they're watching you and that's the way they're going to go. I do believe that children can rise above uh, the downfalls of a father, but I'm also very thankful for godly men that I have honored to speak to this morning and be able to congratulate you on training up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And although we may have mistakes in our lives, our kids often are following our footsteps. During the earliest years of a child's life, they usually spend a great deal of time with their mother. But the passing years seem to, things seem to shift when a father is involved in a family. Unfortunately, far too many homes in America are, are homes without a father's influence. And so that job is relegated to a mom or relegated to a stepfather. And if you are a godly stepfather in, a, in, in children's lives, thank God for you. That father image, that father role is so incredibly important. Is it okay if I just talk to you a little bit today? We're, we'll, well, thank you for the four of you that gave me permission to talk to you today. Uh, somebody suggested this morning, since that our crowd was a little off, that I only preached 20 minutes today, and some, some of you probably heard that and got excited. Don't get too excited too fast. The example that a father sets about God and the church and spiritual things will certainly make an indelible impression upon a child's life. Someone says fathers are followed, and I believe that is correct. This is not something that we can just turn over to a mom to handle. God has placed us in the role that we are. And fathers, I believe, I really believe this today, that God designed men. He designed us to be the spiritual leader of the home. He really built us to be the spiritual leader of the home. You may run from it, but you were really built to be the spiritual leader of the home. When God designed you, He made you to be the spiritual leader. Your wife ought to not have to be the spiritual leader of the home. He made you to be. He didn't build her to be. Sometimes she is because we're not, but uh, God didn't make us that way. He made us to be the spiritual leader of the home. Uh, the second thing that Dobson points out, he says the second thing that he suggests is uh, that the best thing a father can do for his children is to teach children how to love. 
And I found that interesting because often when you think about love, and I, was, I have been blessed to, to have a, a dad in my life. I told my wife this week, I said, something strange is going on. Dad's called me three times in one week. Now, normally he'll go three months and call once, but this week he called me three times and uh, maybe had some concerns or something, and, uh, and, and we talked a little bit uh, about those and, and, and keep him in your prayer. But uh, every time that I talk to my dad, I, it doesn't matter if I'm with him, if I'm here, uh, if, I, if I'm there, if he's up visiting, uh, if I'm on the phone, uh, I never can hang up a phone or never walk away. He could come to the house to pick something up, to take back over to his motorhome, and before he walks out, he's going to say, okay, I'll see you in a few minutes, I love you. Over and over again, he always affirmed love. And that was one of the things about my father. I never remember him not being like that. He would always affirm love. He would affirm love and affirm love. And uh, perhaps that's one of the reasons why he did such an incredible job raising me. Thank you. I was checking to see who was awake. And so... um, Boys, uh, Dobson says, boys need affirmation. And, and I've talked about this a little bit. Boys need affirmation. Men need affirmation. That's why uh, the, the men who say they don't need affirmation are fooling themselves. And so um, Dobson says that men, the way men are made, the chemical makeup in, and, and uh, the, the electronic wiring of our brain, however small it may be, uh, is... Uh, Thank you, thank you. Acknowledge those little tidbits that I'm trying to make entertaining for you. All right, so he says that he says that we are it's just the way we're made and we 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 require affirmation. Women require girls require security and safety and uh, so they need to know that they're secure and they're safe and and that things life is not about uh, about to turn upside down and uh, and they find that often in the role of of a male in in a in a a manly role, and that's often what uh, causes little girls to go out and mess their life up and wreck their life because there's not somebody giving them security. And so they're looking for security, and they find it the only way that they know they can find it. And in their insecurity, they run looking for security. In a male, uh, they're looking for affirmation to know you're doing a good job, what you're doing is right and well. And uh, the issue with this is that men who grow up in a, in a home that is affirmed often do a good job affirming. Those who grow up in a home uh, that there is very little affirmation, the psychologists say that we have a tendency then to not affirm others that are around us, thus continuing the pattern on through family histories. And so that's just a little tidbit. I'm not even on my notes right now, so I'm going much longer than 20 minutes. All right, so he suggests that that we teach children how to love. He said this is one of the best things that a father can do next to his own close and personal relationship with God. A father's top priority is to teach children how 
to love. And he does this by loving his family unconditionally. That doesn't remove the fact of discipline when discipline is required. But for every disciplinary action, there is then the affirmation of love that comes back. So there is discipline that is mixed with incredible undying love that says, yes, I do love you. I support you. I'm with you. And so uh, we, Dobson says this teaching how to love, this goes into marital relationships where that we know how to love our spouse and our spouse knows how to love us back. And so Dobson says that's the second thing. And the third thing is he said that a good father will, will arrange his schedule. He will arrange to spend quality time with his children and with his family. And this, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think I'm by myself here, but this is one of the hardest things to control. Most men would even give up some money if they don't have to deal with their time. Am I only alone up here? He says it's very difficult. I know, I know, I know. Dad said one time to me, he said, son, if they don't say amen, he said it's really difficult to say sick them to a dog if the dog's right on the heel of your pants. So a good father will try to arrange to spend quality time with his family. No matter how fathers try to escape this idea, the fact remains that ultimately uh, time is how children spend, uh, spell love. They don't spell love L-O-V-E. They spell love T-I-M-E. It's just how they spell love. And so we have to learn this. And so never feel like that you are wasting time that you are spending with your family. You're not wasting time when you're spending it with your family. Well, I have all these other things I need to be doing. I know we all feel that pull, but the time that we're spending with our family is very, very important that it is helping to build a bridge and a bond and a relationship that we're really going to need when they get ready to make the decision of where we're going to spend our final few weeks and years. I don't know about you but my boys threaten me all the time. And they always say, remember when you're old and senile and can't make decisions for yourself. I'm the one that's going to be making decisions for you. Now what's it going to be? I think being a good father is the most challenging responsibility that we can ever face. And I know that I'm speaking to a group of incredible men. And by the way, I, I know I'm standing here this morning as your pastor and talking. But probably out of every message that I've preached this year and all the times that I've addressed you this year, I feel like that this is one of the most honoring moments for me to be able to stand in front of men that I honor and that I respect. And that I have the opportunity to be able to address you on a day that is designed to give you honor. I honor you today. If I had a hat on, I'd take it off for you. I tip my hat to you this morning. I, I believe that being a father, being a good husband, is one of the most challenging responsibilities that we will ever ever face. Some of us may be better at it than others. Some of us may be worse at it than others. Obviously the flip side. 
But to be a good father, we need a good model in our life. We need somebody that we are role modeling. It may be our father. It may be a grandfather. It may be somebody that we have established in our life, a mentor, someone that we look up to, an example of a father that you can pattern yourself after. I know we pick up little tidbits and things from people that we are around, but we need that father figure that we can look at and pick up some things in their life. Today, I have chosen the subject of talking about Abraham, who was known as the father of the faithful. And I just want to take a few minutes here to point out some things. We should set examples in front of our lives, models Uh, with great attributes that we desire to have and that we can pick up. The first thing, there's a few things I want to point out about Abraham. Number one, Abraham, that was a setup earlier when I was asking you how many of you were perfect. How many of you have made mistakes as a father? That was a little bit of setup to get to where we are now because Abraham was the father of the faithful. How many of you know the name Abraham? Everybody? Eight of you. Good. How many of you know the name Abraham? All right. You, everybody knows Abraham. Father Abraham. All right. So you know Abraham, all right? Stop it. I'm not going to start. So here's the first point that I want to make about Abraham. Abraham wasn't perfect. And neither will you be perfect. Abraham is called the father of the faithful. But Abraham laughed along with his wife at the audible angelic promises of God. When God spoke a promise, he laughed because he thought there's no way that that could be possible. He lied on two different occasions about his wife. He manifested unbelief. With the, with the fathering of Ishmael to Hagar that would wreck most people's lives and future. Yet Abraham somehow came through it and came out the other side. When you read his story, it sounds more like he is the father of failures than the father of the faithful. Abraham wasn't perfect. He wasn't a perfect father, but he was a faithful father because in his faithfulness, Abraham was faithful to get back up again. A failure, ladies and gentlemen, is not the end. But maybe it's a good place to start over again. Well, I enjoyed writing that. Failure is not the end. Maybe it's the end of an era that you have been walking down. Maybe you want to turn your life around. Maybe that point of realizing, hey, I have been an imperfect father. I'm in good company this morning. I can turn around and change some things and be a better father than what I have ever been. Whatever you do, when you make a mistake as a father, don't stay down. Get up. Fix the issue. There's the hard part. Get up and fix the issue. And do better. Get back up. Look at your neighbor and tell him, get back up. Look at your other neighbor and tell him, wake back up. All right. Abraham, number two, Abraham didn't allow his failures to define him. I'm trying to help some fathers this morning. 
Abraham didn't allow his failures to define him. He was full of failures, but he, he never one time said, I just want you to define me as Abraham the failure. Instead, he was determined to have a better legacy than his failures. He had a son in the middle of his failures, but yet he, he says, hey, I, I, I realize what, what's happened here. I understand what's, what has gone on here, but I refuse to allow my failure to define my future. He didn't. Wait, 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 wait. Listen, he didn't, he didn't refuse. He didn't deny his failure. There's a difference in denying your failure and getting back up from your failure after you've repented from it. Repentance is not denial. Don't deny your failure, but get back up from it. Abraham didn't allow his failure to define him. I refuse to be defined by the faults in my life. My life may be riddled with faults. My, my, my fatherhood may be riddled with, with faults in, 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 in my life. But I refuse to be defined by those things. Come on somebody. Decide this morning that my failures will not define my future. Abraham taught his children by being faithful before them. He lived faithful before them. How in the world do you think Abraham is called the father of the faithful? Because he was faithful in front of his children. He made mistakes, but he was faithful to get back up and continue in his faithfulness. He built altars. Abraham was faithful to build altars. And his son Isaac and his grandson Jacob visited the same altars that he built. Hey, listen men. Listen CLC. We've been working. We've been laboring. We've been praying. We've been fasting. We're building buildings. We're having fasts. We're having prayer meetings. We're having great services and altar services. Listen, you're not making mistakes here when you are building altars and building memorials because your children and your grandchildren will visit the altar that you built. It will be the place they come back to. It will be the reference point for their future. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Keep building altars. Keep building altars. I want to be a sacrificing father that leaves a heritage for my children. My dad may not leave, will not leave much of an inheritance financially for any of us. But he has left me a heritage of truth and faithfulness. The third thing I want to point out is that Abraham had unusual faith in God. Abraham's faith in God was not the norm. He had unusual faith in God. If you fail in other areas, you can still teach your children, as Abraham did, that God will provide. I mean, when I say that he had unusual faith in God, how many of us are willing to climb a mountain with a lad and wood and fire? That's unusual faith, saying the whole time, God will provide. God will provide. I'm going up the mountain. God, well, most of us would say, well, as soon as I get the sacrifice, we'll start then gathering the wood and start climbing up the mountain. That's not how Abraham did it. He was a man of unusual faith. 
He was a man of unusual faith. Sometimes you got to take the step of faith and people around you are going to say, what in the world are you doing? God is going to provide. God is going to provide. My life was riddled with a father that would, we would say, how, dad, how's this going to happen? I don't know, but God's going to provide. And every time God has come through, I feel like stopping right now and just speaking a word into somebody's life. Somebody that feels like you're struggling today. You're worrying over something. You're fretting over something. I feel like speaking a prophetic word to somebody today. Your faithfulness has not gone unnoticed by God. He has everything in control and He will provide. God will provide. Oh, you may not get anything else that I say this morning, but somebody needs to hear the words that I just spoke. God will provide. Oh, let's just lift our hands and thank the Lord today. Hallelujah. Abraham not only trusted God, as he climbed Mount Moriah to offer a sacrifice. But Abraham went out not knowing when the Lord said, all this land I'm going to give you, where am I going to? I'm not sure. I just want you to get up and go. Abraham went out not knowing. You see, it's not faith if you know where the next meal's coming from. But it is faith when you know. I don't know. <laughs> don't have a clue. Abraham still went out by faith. Number four, Abraham's faithfulness brought about blessing upon his family and upon the world. The Lord said, from thee and from thy seed shall all the nations of the world be blessed. Understand this. We are blessed today as a people, as a nation. We are blessed today. Do we have faults? Do we have failures? Do we have problems? Yes, yes, plenty. But we are blessed as a nation because of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham's heritage, what he left, is still blessing the world today. Your faithfulness will affect more than just you. It will affect many generations to come. Your faithfulness will affect you, your children, your grandchildren, and on and on and on. Never think what you're doing is going unnoticed. Number five, Abraham remembered to call on the name of the Lord. Let me ask you, fathers, who do you turn to in time of crisis? Your family turns to you. The wife turns to you. The children turn to you. Who do you turn to in time of crisis? Do you trust your own self? Who do you call when you're in problems? Ghostbusters? All the 25, 30 and under crowd had no clue what I just said. The answer to this question determines your faith. 
When problems arise, what are we going to do? Oh my, I'm going to worry and fret and chew my fingers to, fingernails to the bone. Or either we're going to say, no, I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. We're going to do exactly what we've done in times before. We're going to pray until we will touch heaven. We're going to trust God. We're going to stand firm on the, on, on, on the, 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 the fact that I know that God answers prayer. Do you trust the Lord in all things? Everything that you do, you are teaching your children and your grandchildren with everything that you do. So every time they come and say, Dad, how are we going to do this? Grandpa, how are we going to do this? I may not understand it all, but I know this much. God will provide. God will provide. We need to stop putting our trust in the stock market and in the economy and in our ability to earn money and in our job and in our employers or in our business. We need to start saying God will provide. I'm going to be faithful to God and God will provide. He may, he may provide it through one of those resources, but if they fail, God will still provide. Boys are growing up in a nation not knowing how to become men because they have no example to follow. Thank God for faithful fathers, faithful men of CLC who are doing right things in front of the young men. Thank God for, for men who are doing their, their best to fulfill God's greatest call upon their life, being a father, being an example. Thank God for men who are providing for their families, protecting and upholding their families. The world is trying to silence the voice of righteous men. And that's why it's important in these last days that our men are held up, not beat down, not pushed down. I'm tired of seeing men walking around with their shoulders slumped and their head down. Come on, men, stand up boldly. Not proud, look at me, but stand up strong and bold and say, I am a child of the King. I'm a servant of the Lord. I am a righteous man that walks in faithfulness and truth. Godly fathers, I'm closing. Godly fathers impart certain truths and convictions. They fathers impart to those around them. This is how we feel about God. This is how we feel about you. This is how we feel about the Word of God. This is how we feel about prayer. This is how we feel about the church. All of these things, these key decisions, this is why you are designed to be the priest of the home. And these key decisions that you are making, when your children ask, let them know, this is how we feel about God. This is how we feel about giving. This is how we feel about authority. This all comes from a father. Your children will not only listen to your instruction, but they will watch closely and they will become a reflection, mirror image of what you are living in front of them. Thank God that CLC has some godly men that will lead in worship. Thank you, CLC men, godly men who will lead in prayer. Thank you, CLC, godly men who will lead your family to the altar. Thank you, men who are being passionate about the things of God. 
thank you men for involving yourself and giving of yourself to things that are greater than we are. Thank God for men who are declaring CLC's a revival church. CLC will remain a revival church. The ladies can't make these decisions for us. Thank you for being bold in faith and declaring our future is going to be greater than our past. We're going to see to it. Lift your hands now. Let's thank the Lord all over this room. If there's a man standing next to you, why don't you just lay a hand on their shoulder and ask the Lord to give them strength and help in these last days. Come on, lift up your voice all over the building right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. CLC must remain a praying church, a faithful church, a giving church, a worshiping church, a prayerful church, a holiness church, truth preaching and teaching church. Thank God for godly men. God bless you this morning. I just want to pray specifically for you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed in the room. Maybe you're standing by a father, by your father, maybe your husband, and you want to just connect with him right now as a point of faith. I just want to pray for you this morning because I feel burdened deep in my spirit because life and the world has a way of just crashing in on you and it has a way of beating you up and beating you down and sometimes we're all misunderstood and we all go through hardships and struggles. I'm going to pray that God lifts your head this morning and gives you courage to keep doing what you're doing because in the end, in the end, He is a faithful and just God that will give back to you. He will bless your life and bless your future. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I come to you I'm asking you right now, God, that you strengthen, lift the hands, lift up the hands of the weak this morning. Lift up the hands of these men who are weary. Lord, let them not become weary in well-doing. Lift up their hands this morning, God, by your spirit, by your power and your might. Lift up their hands today. Give them courage, God, to keep on, Lord, in these evil times and when the world is crashing in on them and people are coming against them. God, give them the courage to keep standing when they've done all that they can do to stand. Lord, give them the courage to keep standing. Strengthen them this morning, Lord. Give them exactly what they need. Strengthen them on their weak days. Wrap your arms of help and love and compassion around them. Be, Lord, be their God. Be their closest companion, Lord. Strengthen the men of this church, the young men of this church, the boys and children of this church, the teenagers and young adults alike. Strengthen God. Let this be a place, Lord, that grows and develops young men of passion and courage and wisdom and faithfulness. We pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Turn to four or five people around you that are men and tell them thank you for being faithful to God. Come on, thank them for being faithful.